0: Welcome to the Westminster Chapel podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk. The other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull. They crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said. Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, Today, you will be with me in paradise.
1: Hi, and good morning to you all on this Good Friday. My name is Roger. I'm a member of Westminster Chapel, and I'm delighted and feel very privileged to be able to share with you on this special Friday. I'm sure you'd agree that there's been some key events in history that have helped to shape our lives and will continue to shape our lives in the future. And what I find fascinating is to see people's reactions in and to some of these key events let me give you a couple of examples to illustrate this point how can we forget when neil armstrong the astronaut took those first faithful steps onto the moon and his reactions was to share those words which would become iconic when he said one small step for man one giant leap for mankind That's his reaction that he had to that particular event and experience. How do you react now when you think about that particular event? Or more recently, when we think about the event, the situation that has created an explosion of emotions within us in terms of reaction, not just us, but across the world as people looked and watched in horror as a policeman held his knee on the neck of George Floyd for over nine minutes. What's your reaction when you think about that particular situation? And there are many other events that have taken place over history that would evoke a reaction in us and has revoked a reaction in others. But I want to focus on a key event that took place over 2000 years ago which has helped to shape our lives, whether we're conscious of it or not, and will continue to shape our lives. And that event I'm referring to is the death of Jesus on the cross. And what I want to do is to talk about the reactions of some key people that who were there at that time, talk about Jesus' response, and cause us to think and to challenge us to consider what our reaction to Jesus on the cross is, And what it it could be on this Good Friday. And my hope is that if you're a Christian, as you listen to what I say, that it will be a great reminder of the amazing sacrificial work that Jesus did for you and I on the cross. And your reaction is one of joy, thankfulness and gratitude when you think about all that Jesus did for you on the cross. And when he ultimately rose again to create that sense of hope and to give us life. And my hope is that if you're not a Christian, perhaps you've tuned in because you've been invited by a friend or family to tune in on this Good Friday. My hope is that what I say would actually be enlightening. You'll be your your mind and your thoughts around Jesus and the cross will be reframed. You will react differently to maybe where how you've reacted previously on other Good Fridays. And so what I want to do is to talk about the reactions of three different groups of people. I want to talk firstly about the reactions of the crowd, the spectators, as I've described them in Luke 23. I then want to talk secondly about the reactions of those who mocked Jesus, the mockers. And then thirdly, I want to talk about one specific individual and his reaction, and that is the reaction of the thief, all of whom have been highlighted in in Luke 23 which was read to you earlier today and I think as I talk about this there's one key question I'd ask you to consider honestly and answer to yourself and that key question is how would I have reacted if I'd been there how would I have reacted to seeing Jesus Jesus death on the cross I think to help us to really Put ourselves in that situation, it's important to provide a bit of context and to understand some of the things that Jesus would have experienced just before he was crucified, as as has been highlighted in Luke, Luke 23. And so there are four things I think are worthy of note to bring to our attention, to provide a little bit of context and framing for us to consider. Firstly, Jesus would have experienced betrayal. Betrayal at the hands of one of his followers, Judas Iscariot. One of the twelve sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver and you can read about that in Luke 22 verse 47. Jesus also would have experienced loneliness and rejection. Loneliness because only a few hours before his crucifixion he was sitting there with his 12 faithful followers at the table having a meal as the last supper as it's called. And then a few hours later, at his arrest, those 12 would scatter and desert him. So Jesus would have been lonely. And then rejection would have come when his key follower, Simon Peter, would deny Jesus three times. And Jesus would have experienced a gross miscarriage of justice, being an innocent man, which Pontius Pilate knew in his heart he was. And that's why he he really tussled and wrestled with the crowd to free Jesus over barabbas but then he relented because pontius pilate was a crowd pleaser and agreed to jesus being executed and to free the murderer barabbas and so jesus would have gone through a number of bogus trials and intense interrogation during that time so he would have been exhausted just through the experience he had and going through these trials and fourthly jesus would have experienced excruciating pain and agony from being whipped and beaten mercilessly by the Roman soldiers, having a crown of thorn placed over his head, then being forced to to actually carry a cross to up a pathway to a hill known as Calvary or Golgotha, as it's also often referred to as, and then having spikes, nails pierced through his hands and his feet, and the crossbeam being elevated vertically so that his body his body hung there, so much so that it caused, it's, it became so difficult for Jesus to breathe and every breath was challenging and a pain. So Jesus would have been going through searing pain during this time. And as I say this and I share this, you may be in a position where you yourself can identify with some of the things that Jesus went through. Perhaps you feel lonely or feel that you have been rejected. Maybe the, the lockdown situation has created and evoked a sense of loneliness. Or you may feel that you've been betrayed. Or you may feel that there's been some kind of miscarriage of justice taking place. Or you are going through excruciating pain at this time. Maybe through COVID, maybe through losing a loved one, or maybe through some other illness. All I want to say at this point is that Jesus knows. Jesus understands. He empathizes because he himself went through all of these emotions and more when he went to the cross. And if you do need to reach out, if you feel that you need help and support, I just want to signpost at this point that there is a team of people who would love to talk with you, listen with you and pray for you. And if that's something you need and you'd like support, then on your screen, you should be able to see a button which says request prayer or the need for prayer. And then someone after this message has been aired will reach out to you and connect with you. So Jesus, as he hung there with all these emotions, he was surrounded by, um, by two thieves, one on his left and one on his right. And so that was a situation that we find ourselves in when we move to uh, look at the, the three different reactions. So let's now consider the reaction of one of the groups of people that were there, the spectators, as I describe them. In the book of Luke, and verse 35, he says, The words, the people stood watching. So these were a group of spectators that were there present during Jesus's death and crucifixion. And what's fascinating is that during that time there would have been tens of thousands of people that would have been present because it was the Passover festival. And the historian Josephus even goes on to suggest that maybe a million people would have been there because of the event itself. And so what is evident is that there would have been a huge crowd that would have seen Jesus' death as well as that of the two thieves that were next to him. And amongst that crowd, those that watch, would have been those that knew and loved Jesus, his followers who had been with him for the last three years. There would have been those that would have called him rabbi and teacher, those that would have known him as a friend and family. And this is reflected in the fact that in the book of John, John chapter 19 verses 25 and 26, the author of this book talks about some of the individuals that were there at Jesus's crucifixion. So he talks about Mary, Jesus's mum. He talks about Mary Magdalene, one of Jesus' friends, being there. He talks about Mary, uh, the wife of Cleopas, being there as well. So yes, there were quite a few Marys that were there at the time. And alongside that was John, the beloved, who was one of Jesus' disciples. And you can imagine that as they stood and watched watched jesus on the cross that they would have watched their hope fade away that they would have reacted with a sense of sorrow and and dismay seeing their whole world and everything that they hung upon actually collapse and crumble in front of them and it would be understandable that they'd forgotten the fact that jesus on many occasions had told them that he would have to suffer in this way in order to free mankind by dying and raising again and so in this moment, in this situation, it was they watched with a sense of hopelessness. Is this how you would react if you were there at the time? Is this you? And perhaps this could be reflecting the fact that in your own life, in your own situation, you are looking around and, and watching as your your life is crumbling around you. Maybe because of the impact of COVID, you've lost your job, you are in furlough, there's the uncertainty of future. You may have, um, have an illness which is causing you uh, difficulties and pain at this time. But for you, as you watch your world, you, all you see is that hope is fading. There's no way out. You feel overwhelmed. And what I want to do in this message is just to remind you that hope is not lost, as it wasn't for these followers of Jesus. Hope can be regained and, and resurrected through Jesus Christ. And so I'd encourage you to listen to Howard's message this Sunday on Hope Resurrected, where we'll be talking more about, about the hope that we have in Jesus. And if you do need support during this time, then I encourage you to reach out, request prayer, uh, and so I'll be in contact. What's also fascinating is that the crowd that watch included those who may have known of Jesus because of his reputation, Or may not even have known of Jesus because, again, Josephus talks about the fact that within the crowd, there would have been those who who deliberately ran towards the crucifixion. And a few who went directly towards what he described as the killing field because crucifixion was commonplace at that time. And so they were fascinated by this and saw it as a common occurrence. And for those individuals, they did not know the significance of who Jesus was. They may not have wanted to. They may, not, they may have just saw him as another criminal being crucified. Would this have of your reaction if you'd been there at that time? And this could be reflected today in the view that this is just another Good Friday. And the view that, geez, I, I don't understand or know about Jesus and how that's connected to the Good Friday itself. And if that's your view, if that's your reaction to this, then you're not alone. Because a, a research that was done by UGov back in 2017, uh, did a research and asked the question of people in this country about Good Friday and Easter, and apparently only 55% of Brits actually knew, associated Jesus and Easter together. So 45% of people only saw Good Friday as being time off and away from work, and but did not connect it to being Jesus and the cross and centrality of that. Is this how you are reacting it now to to Good Friday. Let's now turn our attention and think about a second group of people who are described as the mockers and despite all that Jesus had endured and the unimaginable pain that he was experiencing at that time that I described earlier, there were those who chose to mock and ridicule Jesus as he hung there. You have the example of the, they were mocked. By, he was mocked by the chief priests. He was mocked by the teachers of the law. He was mocked by the elders who said to him, he saved others. He can't save himself, as they would have scoffed and, and said it cynically to Jesus and to his face. And you can read that in Mark chapter 15, verse 31 and Matthew 27, verse 41. And even the rulers sneered at Jesus, as it recounts in the book of Luke. And even the soldiers who had inflicted so much pain and agony on Jesus already chose to mock him even further. If you are the king of the Jews, then save yourself, as it says in Luke 23, verse 37. But what is what adds insult to injury is that one of the criminals who was clearly would have been in pain having been crucified himself. Rather than focusing on himself, he chose as well to join in and also to mock Jesus as you can read in verse 39 of Luke 23, where he says, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. So people mocked Jesus on every side. And this mockery of Jesus wasn't just prevalent at that time. It continued since then and even to today. A couple of examples which, which highlight this is, which you may know about, was John Lennon, the singer from the Beatles, he famously mocked Jesus when he said, today we're more famous than Jesus. And the other example that I've heard about was the actress Marilyn Monroe, when the author uh, and the evangelist, Billy Graham, spoke with her, was talking to her about Jesus. Her response to him in mockery was, I don't need your Jesus. And so there are examples where even To today, people continue to mock Jesus. Is this how you would react? Is this how you react now when you think about Jesus? And it could come in many forms, mockery. You could be part of a group of people that deny the very existence of Jesus or even deny that he rose again. What's startling from research conducted by the BBC Local Radio back in April 2017 is that they found that a quarter of people who describe themselves as being Christians, do not believe in the resurrection of Jesus. That's a bitter bold, that's mockery in itself. Or perhaps your mockery is even more subtle than that, where you choose just to use Jesus' name in vain. So let's now consider the final reaction, which came from one man, one of the thieves on the cross, which I find fascinating. And you can see his reaction in verses 40 to 42 in Luke 23, which reads, But the other criminal, this being the thief, rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you and I are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man, Jesus, has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I say that this thief's reaction is fascinating because of what the account that we read in the book of Mark says about this same thief. So Mark chapter 15, verse 32. And if you look at that in comparison to what we've just read in in. Luke 23, verse 40 to 42, Mark says the words, those crucified with him, crucified with Jesus, also heaped insults on him. So what Mark is describing here is that both criminals, both of them that were there on the left and the right, insulted, mocked Jesus. But yet in the book of Luke's account, which we've just read, he highlights that This man was defending. This man was asking for forgiveness. This man was asking that Jesus would remember him. So are they contradicting themselves? The book of Luke and Mark? Absolutely not. My view, my strong belief is that they are just reflecting different accounts that happened within a six hour window. Because Jesus was crucified at 9 a.m. and his crucifixion finished at 3 p.m. And you can read that timeline in Mark 15, verse 25 and 34. So what I I believe happened is that at the beginning, both thieves were mocking and insulted Jesus. But something within that six hours window between 9am and 3pm on that Good Friday, something in the mindset, the psyche, the viewpoint, the outlook of one of those thieves changed where he reframed his mind, saw Jesus in a whole different light, had a revelation about Jesus, which he hadn't done previously. And that's what caused his reaction to change. Commentators speculate on as to what that was, what that catalyst was. It could have been the fact that as that thief hung there during that time, he would have witnessed and heard the barrage of insults being hurled at Jesus as he was on the cross. And then noted Jesus's response to, his critics and those that killed him where he says father forgive them for they know not what they do such a uh, such an unimaginable response to pain that was inflicted on him by others must have got him thinking that could have been what it is or it could have been that the thief may have heard someone else read jesus the king of the jews which was a placard just above his head and whatever it was What is is fact is that there was a change of heart, change of mind of this thief that caused him to react in such a way. And what I find amazing is the fact that he, in these nine words where he says, Jesus, remember me when you go into your kingdom, he was saying, remember me in spite of. All that I've done the shameful things that I've done in my life remember me if you will Jesus remember me as I am a sinner I am someone who is far from God and has lived a life far from God and for me the good news is is that Jesus did remember him and Jesus did respond when he didn't have to when he said to this thief those hope-filled world hope-filled words truly I say to you today you will be with me in paradise, in verse 43. And what you see in this thief, in, in those words, as well as say, remember me. He said, when you go into your kingdom, how did the thief know that Jesus was going to live or rise again? That's, that's a mark of, of faith, sister, that he was exhibiting even on the cross. And so it teaches us a lot about Christianity. It teaches us a lot about the fact that we serve a, a, a forgiving God. We serve a God of second chances and you see this beautifully captured in the exchange of words as these two men were dying on the cross at that time and for me i can resonate with this thief in that my reaction to jesus changed i gave my life to jesus over 26 years ago and i still remember the event the situation that that gripped me and it was it was a nightmare. it was so vivid, it felt so real, and what I saw in that time, in that moment, i've really felt that Jesus had come back as part of his second return, and i 'd been one of those ones that had been left behind I was I felt broken, I felt lost, I couldn't understand. I was scared in in, in this moment because i couldn 't reconcile it because I had in my head, in my life done good things i'd done good deeds i'd been to church i'd read the bible but yet what dawned on me in that in that period of darkness in my life was that my whole life up to that time had been governed by ritual and religion and i didn't have that relationship with god and so when i had that epiphany when i had that realization when god gave me that second chance to make amends i did just that and i gave my life to god in the same way that the thief did in my own words and something which i found very helpful to in terms of making that commitment to God which I willingly did was to use something called an ABC approach to uh, to salvation to asking God into your life and that and I believe this is the same principle of what the thief did without him knowing that there was a structural or a way of approaching God Uh, and for me the, the A is for admit so what I did was I had to admit and anyone that wants to come to God to be accepted by God, you need to admit that we need God to forgive us, forgive us of our wrongs, forgive us of our separation from him, our sins as it's known, forgive us of our wrongful attitudes and actions that we have done that may have offended God. So that's the A for admit. The B as part of the ABC is to believe, believe that Jesus died for our sins, died for your sins, he died for the thief and everyone else at the time. But more importantly, he rose again from the dead. That's how we'll talk more about on on Sunday. And that he loves loves us so much that he went to these lengths so that we could escape the penalty of sin and eternal death. And the C in the ABC is to confess what I found myself doing and what the thief did. And what anyone that comes to Christ needs to do is confess that Jesus is Lord. Jesus will have control of our lives. Jesus will have ownership of who we are and what we do, not in a controlling way, but in a liberating way. And so by admitting, by believing and confessing, these are the steps that I took 26 years ago to give my life to God. And I haven't looked back, I've now lived a life of renewed purpose and a renewed identity in Christ and hope. And this is exactly what the hopeful experience in those few moments of life that that thief had he would have experienced before he went on to be with the lord so as i begin to bring my message to a close a big question that you may be asking particularly as a non-christian is why did jesus die on the cross why did he do this and the answer is he came to fulfill a bigger mission and that mission i believe is beautifully encapsulated in a book of the bible called john John chapter 3, verse 16, where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to die for you and I, that whoever believes in him, so if you believe in him, as I believe in him, and, and many followers do believe in him, we shall not perish, but have that eternal life, which gives us hope. And that's why Jesus came to save mankind from eternal separation from God, and that's why he died on the cross. But the story does not end there. He then ultimately went to rise again. And that's where we get our hope. And that's, where we, that's why we celebrate this occasion, because Jesus died in our place at that time. So as I bring this to a close, I'll ask you to come back to the question that I asked earlier on. How would you have reacted if you had been there? If you, how would you have reacted? Would you have reacted as the spectator? Would you have reacted as one of the mockers? Or would you have reacted as one of the thief who then found a new life and found repentance in God? And so the question that I'd like to leave you with now is not how will you react, but what will your reaction be now having heard all that I've shared on this Good Friday? And my desire is that if you're a Christian, this has been a source of encouragement and a reminder about all that God has done for us and has liberated us through his death and resurrection. And if you're uh, not a Christian, I've just tuned in, thank you for staying tuned in. And I would hope that you no longer look at this as being Another Good Friday, but you see this as being the Good Friday, the Friday in which you you had a different view, different understanding, different perspective about who Jesus is, what he did, and the hope that now comes through his death and resurrection. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for this wonderful chance that you've given to me to share your word. I thank you that for those who have listened. Uh, to your word listen to what's being said I pray Lord that your words will really resonate and really take hold in people's lives at this time on this good Friday and that it will continue to take effect and create a difference and people will remember but also live out what you did on that cross all those years ago and recognize that hope comes in you and if there's any here Lord that don't know you I pray that they will consider wanting to get to know you, understand you, and even making that commitment to you, Lord. Thank you for this Good Friday that we've been able to meet and reflect on all that you did and all that you are. In Jesus' name, Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to Sermon Audio from Westminster Chapel.